Luck High Five, a podcast for you if you love Magic the Gathering, whether you're a casual player playing some arena on the weekends or you're somebody who has dreams of playing at the highest level, this podcast is for you. I'm one of your hosts, Maria. Our other host, Megan, will be off this week, so... Have a good vacation, Megan. She's off uh, having a good time in the outdoors. I'll be holding down the fort this week. And we have a very special guest on the show this week. It's Judge Rob, everybody. I know you love the Judge Rob episodes, and I do too, because what he's going to do is tell us all about adventures in the Forgotten Realms, all the tricky cards, all the new and returning mechanics, things you might not know about, even though the set is already out on Arena and Magic Online. Maybe you've already been to your LGS and played a pre-release. Here's the thing. This set came out really fast, right? The preview window was so, so short, and then boom, it was available to play right after Modern Horizons 2. It feels like the next day. But you might not have had had a chance to really play a lot with the cards, or you're running into questions you have now that you have started playing with them. I know I'm one of those people. I'm going to talk to Rob about a pretty wild mistake that I made because I didn't understand the rules correctly. Don't be like me. Listen to this episode with Judge Rob and go into your next draft or whatever you're going to play with the knowledge that you'll feel secure in every single play that you make. Really happy to have Judge Rob here once again. And on our episodes of Judge Rob, we usually do cutest and grossest card. We're going to put that off until Megan comes back on the show because we've got to let her crown grossest card. I certainly can't do it. I've only been gifted the ability to crown cutest card, which is a responsibility I take very, very seriously. So I'm going to contemplate it for a while. You can send your votes, what you think should be it, to GLHF Magic on Twitter. Uh, If you want to try and influence me, it won't work but you can certainly let me know what you think. So Judge Rob coming up on this show. Before we get started, an enormous thank you to everybody who's a supporter of this show, and in fact, all of our work over on patreon.com slash glhfmagic. You know, we say it every single week, maybe you speed through this part, you know, I don't, I don't hold against you if you do, but it is really the reason that we're able to do what we do. You know, with the cutting of tournaments for hosting and for Megan text coverage and stuff this year, it's been really, really tough through the pandemic and then now coming out of it to make ends meet as a content creator. So I'm just being real with you. Like we don't have a lot of opportunities to earn money outside of our podcast anymore. So you are what keep us being able to do what we do. Um, So thank you so much to everybody who supports us. It really does make the show happen. And if you haven't supported us yet, I highly suggest you do it not only to make sure that the show continues into the future, even though we don't really know how many events we're going to be able to work, how we're going to pay our bills, that kind of thing. Hopefully with the support of all of you, we will continue to be able to bring you this show every single week like we have been for almost the past 10 years. Special shout out this week to Lee 
to Annie, and to Derek. Yes, we got another Derek for becoming new patrons. Thank you so much for your generosity and for supporting the content that you love. Of course, this show will always be free to people who can't afford it, but if you can, please throw as little as a dollar a month our way. It makes a world of difference. Uh, if you can't do that, consider rating us on Apple Podcasts. That makes a huge difference too because it helps people find us and it's totally free. It only takes a couple of minutes. So thank you so much, patreon.com slash GLHF magic. A huge shout out as well to one of our sponsors, Card Kingdom. We love Card Kingdom. Use our affiliate link for anything you want to buy in your magical life. It's cardkingdom.com slash GLHF. And you can go there right now. They're doing a pretty cool giveaway. If you sign up for email and text notifications, they're putting your name into a hat for a $500 gift card. So just go to their website. That pop-up will happen. And then you can enter to win 500 bucks at Card Kingdom, which is pretty sweet. You can pre-order Adventures in the... <laughs> you can pre-order the new Adventures in the Forgotten Realms Commander decks everybody look at this planar portal prosper tomebound this thing's awesome yeah you can pre-order these at card kingdom you can also order adventures of forgotten realms if you need some of that you can get singles they're shipping super fast their customer service is a plus say good luck high five they'll give you a token or a sticker in your order for free what more do you want i mean these commander decks everybody i'm not gonna lie to you they are awesome Everybody, we are here to welcome very special guest Judge Rob back to the show. Hi! Yay! Thank you for being here, Rob. You're welcome. I uh, I'm sorry that we were didn't do this last week. Well, you know, this set has been very strange because uh, blink and you missed what was going on with the previews. I agree. I did a full read through the set again, and I was like, I missed most of this. The previews were just nonstop, which was cool. But at the same time, I'm like, I want, I want to breathe. I'm still playing Modern Horizons too, like, <laughs> and I'm still playing a lot of Pioneer, and I don't, I don't, I don't have room in my head for all that and these. I mean, that's what it kind of feels like. It, it was like pushed up, right? We yeah. had the previews end, and then boom, it was on Arena. Yeah, it just immediately. Like, yeah. it, we we still had previews coming out for the Commander cards while it was live on Arena. Unbelievable. Right? I, so I, I, I don't know. So you're not the only one who feels a little weird. Yeah, like normally we'd have Judge Rob on before the pre-release. Right. But in this case, that kind of wasn't possible because previews weren't even complete. Yeah, they they were still previewing Commander cards all last week. And I think there were still regular cards previewed on like Monday. Yeah, I think so too. And so we didn't even have the full set like because we record on Mondays. Right. So I was like, well, I don't want to record if we don't have the set. Yeah. And the the release notes aren't even out yet. Wild. So... Well, you're here now, so yes. even if you've played a little bit of the set already on Arena or Magic Online or you've gone to a pre-release, that kind of thing, you probably still have questions, just like I do, about things that are in this set, new mechanics, returning mechanics, tricky cards, and Rob's going to break it all down for us. So I'm super glad to have this primer anyway, Rob. Um, so thank you so much for being here. Welcome. And you always start off with a PSA. I do, and today's PSA is... We're back. We're playing physical magic, and uh, that is fantastic. I just went to a physical competitive tournament. Awesome! And uh, we were we were all masked. There were like 160 of us in the room. It was Holy it was down cow. in Iowa. It was a team trios event. It was really fun. Wow, uh, that's but, awesome. Uh, the one thing that uh, to take away from that is all of us were like, I have not played physical cards in 18 months. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so be. Just be excellent to each other. Be forgiving. Uh, help people with triggers. Help people remember what the heck to do to play physical magic cards. Yeah. Because Arena does a lot of work for us, and Magic Online does a lot of work for us. <laughs> and just, like, remembering everything and tracking everything is 
is an ordeal. It's hard. Magic is a very complicated game. And think about like uh, dexterity and shuffling yeah. and cutting and a bull. For sure. And then it, like what I was finding, it was my first chance to play with modal double face cards. Oh, wow. Other than like, we played some like spell table pre-releases. Sure. But like, you don't play with eight modal double face lands in your pre-release deck. No. You play with maybe one. Yeah. Right. And so I had a lot of like, oh, I have to track these boulder loft pathways. This is really annoying. <laughs> Well, welcome back to Paper Magic, Rob. Thanks. You and the rest of yes. us. Uh, be safe, as always. If, yeah. if your area is still having COVID issues, uh, be be cautious going up to events. I know in Canada they haven't they haven't re-enabled right. organized play yet, for instance, um, and in several other areas. I just know Canada because that's our neighbor. But like, we love our neighbor. I love our neighbor. Canada's great, but um, <laughs> the. It, be safe. Be careful. Wear masks, uh, especially if you feel even slightly uncomfortable with stuff. Yeah. It, the, the cost is really low to just wearing a mask while you're in a store. Agree. Uh, and you probably have a comfortable one because it's been 18 months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've had our choices. You know, we yep. started out with the basics. We ended up with super fancy stuff, you know, different designs. Yep. I actually have some N95 masks that I like cut the straps off of and tuck as a filter inside of another mask. Ooh, uh, next level. I, yeah, I want the N95 filtering capability, but I also hate them being on my ears. It's a very Judge so, Rob yeah. thing to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> so but, where are we starting here with this yeah, set? We're going to start with returning mechanics. Okay. Uh, as as generally usual. This, yeah. this set is a couple of them. Um, notably, Ward is the big one that's coming back. Uh, this is generally the last time I'm probably going to mention it. Yeah. I don't mention flyings in every set. Yeah. Ward is probably going to be in every set from here on out. Uh, it's evergreen, uh, but Ward is a triggered ability. Uh, so let's look at the Tarask, who has Ward sometimes. This is a big boy. Yeah, he's a huge, huge dude. Uh, chonky boy. Uh, <laughs> green, 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 six. Legendary creature dinosaur, 10, 10. The Tarask has haste and Ward 10 as long as it was cast. Wow. And whenever the Trask attacks, it fights target creature defending player controls. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, if you cast it. If, if you, you cast, cast it. it. It's, otherwise, it's just like, a, yeah, it's a 10 in the fights, which isn't, isn't okay. nothing. Um, but the Ward 10, uh, what that Ward means is whenever this is the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, counter that unless they pay the Ward cost. Right. And so the it, they it's a trigger. It goes in the stack. Things that can't be countered will blow through Ward. Uh, so there's like some red spells that just can't be countered. And anything that uh, and anything that they do, they pay for the ward. Uh, ward can be anything. It can be discarding a card. It can be paying some life. It can be paying some mana. They pay that cost, and then you get the chance to respond again. Right. So if you have a counter spell, you can let them pay your Trask tax and then like counter it. Trask uh, task. I love that. Yeah, it's um, kind of cool to see them experimenting with ward and putting like discard yeah. a card on and that. Yeah, kind of thing. It, it makes it so that they can make creatures that don't just blank all removal like right. hexproof. <laughs> uh, they were experimenting with Hexproof from weird things, but they didn't do it enough, I thought. No, and I this think is, Ward yeah. is a good solution. Yeah, Ward's good. Uh, so let's look at Dragons in Hand. All right. Uh, or on the battlefield. Dragons. This is, this is returning from Dragons of Tarkir. There was a cycle of these cards, like seven of them or something. Uh, Dragon's Fire from the set is red and one for an instant. As an additional cost to cast the spell, you may either reveal a dragon card from your hand or choose a dragon you control. Dragon's Fire deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker. If you reveal a dragon card or chose a dragon as you cast the spell, Dragon's Fire deals damage equal to the power of that card or creature instead. Cool. Uh, it's very cool. Uh, you, if you have a dragon anywhere. So if it's on turn two and you haven't played a dragon yet, you can reveal it to Dragon's, uh, dragon's Fire. Uh, if you haven't 
if you have a dragon that's already on the battlefield and you want your goldspan dragon to four their creature, you can do that. The dragon's fire is still the source of the damage. Um, th- to note, uh, these are all these are a little all over the place. Like there's a creature that enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter if you either reveal a dragon or uh, or have a dragon on the battlefield. Right. Um, you generally make these choices while casting or while things are entering the battlefield. And sometimes you can get a little blown out. Dragon's Fire notably is very strange. Um, the If you Dragon's Fire a creature and you have a, cr- a dragon that is a creature on the battlefield, yeah. you have to choose whether or not to pick your dragon on the battlefield or reveal dragon from hand as you're casting it. Right. Okay. That way they can't kill your dragon in order to, to get sure. rid of it. But they can reduce the power. It checks the power of the dragon card as it was revealed, but it checks the power of the dragon on the battlefield as it resolves. Okay, so choose your dragon in your hand if you have a choice. Yes, if you have a choice. Well, it, but well, that reveals yeah. information, so yeah, there's true. a trade-off. And it might be smaller. If, if you think they're going to use Eyes of the Beholder to decrease the size of your dragon because they have six mana up, uh. then it might be... <laughs> <laughs> Brutal! Uh, yeah, they, they, they might get you. Um, it's going to be unusual for them to be able to do so, but like... There are cards that reduce power in the yeah, set, and yeah. then it's you lock in <laughs> what the how much damage you're dealing at different times based uh, on what they are. I love it. Um, so let's jump to new mechanics. New mechanics because th- these, that was pretty much it. There's oh, a lot right. of little Great. little weird returning stuff, but like otherwise, uh, we're rolling dice finally. Yay! In Black Border, <laughs> I've got to say, Rob, I played with this set a bunch, and I love it. I. So I haven't yet. So I'm really interested. So the the rolling dice does that like it has a bunch of variants of these cards, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is that fun? I think so. Okay. I think is it's it good. You know, I don't know the answer to that. Okay, fair. <laughs> as far as like constructed or anything goes, but uh, it is so. It's just fun for me. <laughs> Even if I don't hit, I'm just like, oh, that was fun. I rolled the dice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a simple person to please just need to roll a d20. That's fair. Uh, but you want, you know, honestly, they don't make it horrible for you, right? Right. Everything is a, like a like a floor except right. for trapped except for treasure chest, I think. Correct. Uh so like there's there's not very many like critical failures. Right. You can't you can't get blown up too much by your own dice rolls. Yeah. Um I'm going to look at Wizard Spellbook, which is a blue blue 5 artifact. Uh, it's a blue artifact. If you are coming back to magic from a long time away because Forgotten Realms is drawing you back in, there are colored artifacts now yep. in every set, which is great. Um, tap, exile target instant or sorcery card from a graveyard. Roll a d20. Activate only as a sorcery. And then it has a table of results. On a 1 through 9, you copy that card. You may cast the copy. On a 10 through 19, copy that card. You may cast the copy by paying one a mana rather than paying its mana cost. Yep. Or on a 20, copy each card exiled with Wizard Spellbook. You may cast any number of the copies without paying their mana costs. Okay. And so Wizard Spellbook, you roll a d20. There aren't things that modify the numbers from die rolls, except for a couple of cards that sometimes reduce their own numbers. What about, there's some cards that let you roll two and take the yeah, other there's, result. Uh, yeah, there's ones that give you, in D&D terms, that's advantage, which is yeah. roll two and then pick one, or disadvantage is roll two and take the worst. Right. Uh, and there are cards that let you do that, that let you roll additional. Those are still for, for things that that count dice rolls, those are one roll, okay. basically. Yeah. Uh, so um, I was actually, my next thing down in my notes, there's a, actually, it's a little bit down here. I'm just going to skip down to my okay. individual cards. Like Brazen Dwarf yeah. is a 1-3 for red and 1. It's a Dwarf Shaman that says, whenever you roll one or more dice, Brazen Dwarf deals one damage to each opponent. Okay. Uh, so like the Wizard Spellbook, you activate it, 
you target your thing, you exile it and roll a die. Um, even if you have the fair, there's a fairy that grants yeah. advantage. You're rolling two dice. Brazen Dwarf only triggers once, right? Um, because they they are all templated where whenever one you roll more. one or more. Yep. Um, and even if you were, even if Wizard Spellbook constructed you to roll two dice, um, it would only trigger once. Um, because because right. of that. But even if it said whenever you roll a dice, it'd get a little wonky. Yeah. Because it replaces rolling one <laughs> with rolling two and choosing. So they're. Wizards so this, is good about printing cards that don't destroy their own text. This is kind of wild. If you if you get a twenty off this, you just yes. get to do it do for it as many times as you've already done it. Yes, right. Um, and without paying their mana costs, Sick. like it's it's you roll a twenty and then you just go hog wild. I it better be good because it costs seven. Mana. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the and other, you better have, like yeah. set it off at least a few times before you yes. get that twenty. Well, you still get to pay. Well, you still get to pay the one without paying its mana cost. So you don't pay anything for that one spell that you exiled, which is still. I mean, it's not the worst thing to sure, do is sure. to tap and cast in the graveyard for free. <laughs> um, the the other thing with with rolling dice is a lot of them are on the resolution of a spell or ability. You don't generally ro- you don't roll as the as a cost for anything or as a part of like a mode. You roll as roll as the resolu- as part of the resolution. Okay. So like wizard spellbook here, if you tap and target something and they exile it in response. Like put it on the bottom of your library or exile it and get it out of your graveyard. The ability doesn't resolve, right? Because its right. target's gone. Mm-hmm. That means you don't roll a die and you won't trigger brazen dwarf. Sad. Yeah. Um, Hashtag sad. Yep. So it's, it, it, look at what the abilities like if they target or not. If it's and it'll roll when it resolves, basically. How do you feel about venture, Rob? I think venture is. I really want to play with it. it. It's very, very hard to evaluate on any axis because it's an entirely unique it's mechanic. so strange, isn't I, it? I don't even want to say it's complicated in that, like, rules-wise, it's not complicated. Yeah. It's just like, take this action, and this action does a largely random thing, right? But it's it's cool. It's space that they've never really explored, which is like having external cards which do a bunch of stuff in Black Border. Yeah. Right. And because of the nature of it, if they go back to Zendikar and add another dungeon, or they go back, or they go to Dragonlance instead of the Forgotten Realms and add some dungeons, yes, it, it'll change all these cards forever. And they might have to make rules about like standard legal venture uh, dungeons. Yeah, to that's venture true. Into it might get a little weird. Yeah. So I I'm excited to see where they go with it. Um, this is very fertile design space because they've never touched anything close to it. Uh, but let's talk about what venturing is. Yeah. Um, so Nadar Selfless Paladin here is a is a Three three uh, legendary creature dragon knight for white and two has vigilance and when it enters the battlefield or attacks venture into the dungeon uh, and other creatures you control get plus one plus one as long as you've completed a dungeon. I love it. Very powerful. So entering the dungeon is a keyword action. Things will instruct you to do it as a part of something else resolving. And when you do that, when you vent, when you venture into the dungeon, if you haven't already started a dungeon, you pick one of the three. Uh, the three dungeons are the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, the Lost Mine of Fendever, Delver, and the Tomb of Annihilation. Yeah. And so when you venture into the dungeon, you pick for the first time, you pick one, you do the first room, and then from then on, you're locked into that dungeon until you complete it. Um, anytime from then on, you venture into the dungeon, you move your token down into whatever room you want that's on the thing. It's really clear. It's just like walking a flowchart. So cool. Uh, and then you do the triggered ability from it. They all have a when you enter this room, do a thing. And then when you when you get to the final room of the dungeon, you do the last trigger, you complete the dungeon, and that dungeon goes away. Yeah. Uh, then the next time that you venture after that, you get to choose to enter either the same dungeon or a different dungeon. Uh, keep track of completed dungeons. 
because there are things that care about how many dungeons you've completed. Um, uh, Ellie McTumblestrom cares about completing unique dungeons. Yeah, very so, cool. Yes, she's super cool. I love her. Uh, I don't think she's actually really that powerful because the thing about venturing into the dungeon is they put it on basically all the cards that they would have put Scribe 1 onto, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I suppose so that's a way to look at like, it. It's a, it's about like if you remember Ixalan, uh, Explore was on a bunch of cards. Yeah, this is about Explore. Okay, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a little bit better than Scry One. Explore's a little bit better than Scry One. Yeah, but it's it goes on a bunch of cards just as a value thing. You know, the number of times it's been relevant which d- dungeon I choose to venture into is actually pretty high. Yeah, it's super relevant um, which which dungeon you venture into. Especially, um, like, I've had the life gain clause matter for me and my opponent when they venture yep. just gain a life and that swing gains yes. because of that. It's yep. wild. Um, and so, like, the... The Lost Might Defend Elver, for instance, uh, it's cave entrance at Scry 1. Then there's like a goblin lair, which makes a goblin token. Mine Tunnels makes a treasure. And you get to choose one, which one right. of those. And it's super relevant. Like, Mine Tunnels to make a treasure is just a free mana. Right. Which is directly comparable to the goblin token, right? Exactly. Um, uh, but the the one thing to note is these triggers aren't optional. Uh, they they generally don't have maze on them. So, like, if you look at the Lost Mine Defend Ever, there's a storeroom that says put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. And so dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's, it's not optional if there are no, if you have no creatures and you, you chose to put. go to the storeroom. Yep. But you choose that during resolution. So you probably choose to go to the dark pool instead because right. you have the option. I always choose to go to the dark pool. Right. Which is each cool opponent loses are. one life and you gain one life. Um, it's very great. But there might be circumstances where you just don't want your opponent to lose a life for some reason. They have like a when I lose life trigger or something. Okay. And so then you are going to choose storeroom and then put a counter on their creature. Sometimes your choices are bad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is a dungeon after all. It's, it's not true. a ball pit. Yeah. Although some would say that's a bad decision straight up. I mean. <laughs> I was trying to think of something fun and that's what I said. <laughs> maybe in the next Silver Border tip, there'll be a dungeon that just is a ball pit. Like that'd be that a great be dungeon. That would be so good. Hold on. I have to call Mark Rosewater. <laughs> On my hand phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, the I wanted to call out a couple of the rooms in the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, okay. which has the like an incredible amount of words on it. This is such a complicated thing. Uh, but the Runestone Caverns, which is midway through, um, it says, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play them. I just went into this room today, Rob. Yep. Uh, it is use it or lose it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you you may play them immediately. If you remember Chandra, Chandra Torture Defiance, mm-hmm. uh, she's a, hey, you look at a card, you get to play it. Uh, you still have to pay the costs. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't decrease the costs on them. Um, it also keeps some timing restrictions. So if it's not your turn and you venture into the dungeon with runestone caverns, you can't play lands because you can't play lands when it's not your turn. What about creatures? Uh, you can play creatures. It, so any it, so casting spells, it gives you the permission to cast those at a particular time. There's it can uh, Can't trumps can, though. There's a rule that says you can't ever take the play a land action when it's not on your turn. Can't trumps can. Yeah. And if something explicitly says you can't do something, wow. it, it beats can. Um, and so Runestone Cameron says you get the chance to do this. The other thing is anything, any card that gives you an additional restriction, like play this only during combat, you can't play with Runestone Caverns during other times. Okay. Uh, there's a small handful of those, so don't be surprised. This is good to know, people. Yes. Um, also, the Mad Wizard's Lair at the end is similar but different. It says, draw three cards and reveal them. You may cast one of them without paying its mana cost. Uh, so you can't play a land because it says cast. So And you it's a use it or lose it right now. If you don't want to cast any of those cards right now, they're in your hand. You get to keep them because the Mad Wizard is... 
Because he drew helpful. them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're revealed right now, and then the revealing is done. Yeah. On digital clients, they're basically revealed forever, which is nice. But in physical, write them down. Your thought, you're just getting, you're like fake thought seizing to your Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, class cards is what we have up next. Yeah, classes. And these are really rad. These are really cool. These are like, I don't know, like reverse um, sagas. sagas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the art's reversed from a saga, but they have the same kind of like art on one side, card, like text on the other. Uh, so let's look at monk class here. It's a blue-white for an enchantment. Uh, and all these are all enchantment, and then I have a subtype of class. And they have a... Thing that happens first is they come out. Uh, monk class is a static ability that when you're a level one monk, the second spell you cast each turn costs one less to cast. Nice. Uh, then you can you can see underneath it there's a level two, white, blue, level two. You pay that as a sorcery to, le- to go from level one to level two. When this class becomes level two, return up to one target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. Love it. Pretty good. And then it has a level three that you pay for. Uh one white blue level three at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. For as long as it remains exiled, it has you may cast this card from exile as long as you've cast another spell this turn. So all of these, like, not necessarily uh, this level two on this card, yeah. but they stack. Like, yes, they, you always have them. They, yeah. They, when you level up to level two, level one doesn't go away. You still get the, the cost reduction from one right. class. Uh, and when you level up to level three, you have the, the exiling cards that you can sometimes cast. And a cost reduction on those cards, realistically, because of the way the monk class works. And the the other things to note, you can't level to the same level an additional time. You, you, uh, monk <laughs> I mean, class, yeah, you're I, right. I, I picked monk class because that's relevant. If you could... If I would be, could, keep yeah, doing it. I would level up to level two forever. Absolutely. I just, I, like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to stay level two. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just going to keep paying I'm good, to, thanks. To things. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, and which is why I picked monk class. The monk class has basically all three types of things classes do which is it has a static ability that changes the rules for you. It has a triggered ability when you level up. And then it has some other, like, in this case, a a triggered ability that happens every turn. Yeah. And so it does a it does a variety of things. And they all do stuff that's all over the board. They're purely flavorful. I love uh, them. Which is really good. Yeah. Monk class is, I think, the least flavorful relative to monk. But it's how magic treats monks, which is sure. monks like, hitting a bunch of times yeah. and using their brain, apparently, which is fine. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, they're they're super great. I'm really excited for Bard class. Oh, Bard class is my favorite. I, like, I'm going to beat people up in Pioneer with it because it makes Oath of Nyssa cost nothing. And so you can Oath of Nyssa to find a Uh-oh. legendary creature to then play for free. <laughs> and then it's a... Thank you, Rob. Yeah. It look it looks really exciting. That's yeah, uh, horrifying. It, well, it, it, you but you have to spend four mana for that. Because okay. it's two to cost and That's two to true. level up once uh, to get to that, to the cost reduction on it. So um, I'm going to talk about flavor words. Sounds delicious. Uh, this set has reminder text in the middle of its text boxes, which is really cool. <laughs> like, uh, so it, this is a great innovation, and I hope they keep using this forever, I agree. basically. Uh, so treasure chest here is a three mana artifact. Four mana sacrifice treasure chest, roll a d20, and then it has a results table with a one that has a word in italics, trapped. Uh, so ability words are are words that aren't really abilities. They they just tied a set of abilities together thematically. They have that, but instead of like having six abilities that are all the same, they have 
totally unique things. Yeah. Uh, nothing else is trapped. This is the only thing that's trapped. <laughs> um, if you roll a one, it's trapped and you lose three life. Uh, a two through nine, create five treasure tokens. <laughs> 10 through 19, you gain three life and draw three cards, but you don't get your treasures. Maybe you were counting on those. And at a 20, you search your library for a card. If it's an artifact card, you may put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, put that card into your hand, then shuffle. I don't even want the 20, Rob. Demonic Tutor's really good. <laughs> okay, like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I, I guess it, I guess you can search for it even if it's not an artifact. You can search for another treasure chest. Okay. Okay, okay so I've got two. All right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's kind of weird to spend your three mana to search for another three mana artifact. But Chain like, them together. Chaining them together. Right. Emra, cool. And it costs you seven mana to do this. Treasure chest isn't very good. No, it's... It's really funny, though. I do uh, But the, the thing is that they're they're doing this on a ton of cards. Yeah. And so, like, you have clerics that have the choice between, like, three different cleric spells, right? And uh, they are in the middle of other text blocks. Anytime that you see something in italics, though, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. You can yeah. ignore those words. They're just there for flavor. Uh, you, can, you can announce what those are doing. Like, you can say, oh, I got trapped by this treasure chest. It's really cool. Do it. But um, <laughs> as far as actually understanding what the cards do, you can always ignore them. Yeah. Um, I heard some people say like, oh, I don't even like them. I just ignore them. I'm, I'm like, what kind of sad, sad, soulless person are you? So it, people have fun in different ways. <laughs> some, peop- <laughs> some people like chess. Uh, and chess Rob is a wonderful game. let me get on game. my soapbox about this. <laughs> you, can, you can get on a soapbox. You can get on a soapbox that people should improvise more, use more words, talk more, say funnier things, uh, have more fun with their life. But like, I'm not going to say that they're that they're terrible people for not liking for All not right. liking Agree to ability words. I, I think that what they should do is they shouldn't put down other people for using ability words. Yeah, like, there you go. They're like, this crap doesn't belong on magic cards. And I'm like, sir, you're playing a game about wizards and dragons. <laughs> Like, Excuse I, me, sir. This is a Wendy's. Yeah, right. <laughs> we serve burgers here. I don't know if you know. <laughs> Mana from treasures. Speaking of treasures. Yeah. So um, there's this. There's a bunch of abilities that say if mana from a treasure was spent. Yeah. Uh, so hired hexblade here is black and one for a two-two elf warlock. When hired hexblade enters the battlefield, if mana from a treasure was spent to cast it, you draw a card and you lose one life. So treasure is. Um, Rampant in this set. Yes, there's a lot plentiful of plentiful because yes. there's not a lot of ways to fix your mana. And if you want to play three colors and draft or whatever, treasure is the way to do it, and also flavor. Yeah. You, you will see a bunch of treasure, and also treasure is one of the big driving things in D and D. Yeah, loot, loot is <laughs> loot is king. Um, so the thing with this is normally you sacrifice treasures to add mana, right? Yeah. Uh, but we have a card in standard, Galazeth Prismari, that actually lets you just tap treasures for mana. Yes. So uh, it doesn't matter how the treasure made the mana. Galazeth Prismari ma- treasure making mana will anything that's that treasure mana is spent on will be useful. Oh, so uh, even if thing. I just, if I have Galaseth in play, I have Hired Hexblade, I tap. You can't because Hired Hexblade isn't an instant or sorcery. Oh, okay, okay, Galaseth, okay. Galaseth Prismari only lets you spend that special mana. Okay, on never mind, never mind, never mind. But there are other ways to do this in older formats there, okay. um, but it has to be the treasure making the mana. So if it is uh, Urza, Lord High Artificer in Modern, Urza does not give the ability to the artifact. Urza makes the mana. Okay. Relevant. Yeah. Um, Kinnon Bonder Prodigy is still in standard. Uh, Kinnon, uh, the mana comes from the treasure, and then Kinnon makes a mana. So you have to choose which mana you're spending. Weird. So be aware. Uh, mana okay. multipliers work in different ways from each other. Um, anything that says whenever something else makes mana, makes a mana, makes that mana itself. Okay. <laughs> I, it doesn't steal it from somewhere else. It, well, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it, 
so there, there's a couple of doublers. Uh, there's Nyx Bloom Ancients in standard right now, in fact. Double it. Uh, triple it. Triple uh, it. Nyx Bloom Ancient triples it. Uh, but it says that if something would add mana, add triple that amount instead. Yeah. That is the that the mana comes from the original thing. It's right. just multiplied out. But Kinnon doesn't double your mana in the same way. So um, <laughs> Of course not. That'd be too easy, I, I, Rob. Right. Why would all these cards be consistent to each other? We have th- <laughs> like look, we have uh, we have 380 pages of rules in a draft program for a reason, right? Like wow. We didn't we didn't ha- we don't have these to not use them. The more you know. <laughs> um so there's something, there is an ability word that a bunch of cards have in the set. Uh, to move on to the next thing, pack tactics. Um, so, like, Knoll Hunter here is green and one for a 2-2 Knoll with pack tactics. Whenever Knoll Hunter attacks, if you attack with creatures with total power of seven or greater this combat. Six or greater. Six or greater. Sorry. Thanks, Brain. Uh, put a plus one, plus one counter on Knoll Hunter. So, Knoll Hunter, all of these pack tactics have a triggered ability when this attacks if you attacked with enough stuff. Yeah. Um, making things bigger after you attack won't go back in time and have this trigger happen. Okay. Um, putting things onto the battlefield attacking won't. Go, a won't trigger this because they didn't attack. Uh, attacking is specifically was declared as an attacker during the attack step. Um, they never moved from not attacking to attacking. They've always been attacking. Um, and so they, it, it, this won't trigger it. Those won't trigger it and they won't retroactively trigger other stuff. We've always um, been attacking East Eurasia. Yep. Uh, this is relevant because Winota's still in standard too. And she yeah. puts things out of the battlefield tapped and attacking. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so it's a thing. Now we're going to move on to individual cards. It's true. And the first one is one that I had a very personal experience with the other day, Rob. You definitely got blown out by this, you told me. Delver's Uh, Torch. Delver's Torch. So Delver's Torch is an equipment, uh, white and one artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one. Whenever equipped creature attacks, venture into the dungeon. Uh, Equipped three. So the thing with Delver's Torch is you can equip it to your creature, and then your creature can get stolen. There's like a Threaten and an Elithid that control magics and a bunch of other yeah. stuff in this set. So if I equip my Delver's Torch to my thing, and you take it with your Elithid, and then you attack with the creature, Delver's Torch has the triggered ability. You didn't take my Delver's Torch. I can still move it to something else, right? <laughs> and so the Delver's Torch is attached to your creature. Your creature it attacks. I trigger the Delver's Torch, and I venture into the dungeon. Yes, this is what uh, happened to me, everybody. Do not be like me. Do not let this happen. To you. This can all happen in the common slot in this set, I believe. I think yeah. there's a there's like a five mana common threaten. Yeah, there is. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. So. Uh, yeah, and I I did it with the rare um, that steals their creature just for until it leaves the battlefield. The yeah, three, the, three. the mind flare. Yeah. Yeah, mind flare. So that's how I did it, and I was like, oh look at me, I'm so I'm so yep. smart. I'm gonna get my venture trigger, and then it's like they go into the dungeon. I was like, what? Yep. Unfair. Yeah. Maybe the threaten isn't a common. What rarity is this? It is, it is a common. It's red, of course. Um, uh, oh, I'm, I'm not sorting by rarity. That would be why. <laughs> I'm like, this is a preview card that I, I'm, I was involved in. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, well, it, that's the other thing is that like, I love all the stuff in this set um, and I'm going to spend a bunch of time learning it. But um, where I is it? I want to say it's called Prize. Oh, because it's not on the first page. Got it. Um, there it is. Yeah, Price of Loyalty. Price of Loyalty. Uh, yeah, Price of Loyalty is a sorcery. Gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature. If it in haste, if mana spent from treasure was spent to cast it, it gets plus two, plus, two, plus zero until end of turn. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, one thing on Price of Loyalty, because this wasn't on my individual cards. Yeah. You can target your own creatures with it. Okay. It's relevant to your life because it gives plus two, plus oh sometimes. Yeah. So they might not have something that will let you 
kill them, but you might have something that can kill them like a flyer. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so relevant. Okay. Uh, it also is kind of like vi- idiot vigilance yeah. um, because you can attack <laughs> the creature then price of loyalty your own thing to untap it. I mean, um, you know, we got to get Trixie. It's a core set. We don't have a lot of ways to get Trixie, but that's one of them. We have a lot of ways to get Trixie. I don't know what you're talking about. This whole set is all over the place. Um, so the next thing on my individual cards, kick in the door. Um, Single red sorcery, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. That creature gains haste until end of turn and can't be blocked by walls this turn. Venture into the dungeon. Uh, so this is one thing. This is I'm the so this is a targeted spell. There's a bunch of these that have like target a thing, venture into the dungeon while this is resolving. Yeah. Uh, if the creature gets removed, like the eyes of the beholder it or something in yeah. response to this, uh, the spell won't resolve because all of its targets are illegal and you won't venture into the dungeon. Aww. So be aware you might get, you might be planning to venture and then your opponent kills your thing. Yeah. That's an instant. Good note. Oh. Precipitous drop. This card's so cool. This is very cool. Uh, so it's an aura for black and two. Enchant creature. When precipitous drop enters the battlefield, venture into the dungeon. Enchanted creature gets minus two, minus two. It gets minus five, minus five instead, as long as you've completed a dungeon. Got a dragon killed this way. Rude. Yep. And uh, I actually, I actually, because I was looking at text, didn't realize it was an aura. I thought it was an instant. Oh, uh, yeah. Because the the one thing that I was going to say is the you can hit the first half to get the second half to proc, basically. So... Uh, the you venture into the dungeon, and then if you complete a dungeon, it'll basically kill it immediately. Oh, that's um, cool. So you can you can definitely close out dungeons really fast and then kill the creature. So you're like, strong. oh, it's wearing this. I'm going to put that on there. I yeah. know that I'm eventually going to complete yes. a dungeon, then it'll kill it. Yeah, but but not just that. Like, if it was an instant that did these things in order, sure, um, it would still let you proc the second half if you've completed a dungeon. If you complete a dungeon with the first half, okay, um, which is. Going through things fast, I didn't read that it was an aura. <laughs> but <laughs> That's okay. It could yeah. have been an instant. Yeah, it could be. Um, spare dagger. Uh, it's an equipment for one mana. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus zero, and has whenever this creature attacks, you may sacrifice spare dagger. When you do, this creature deals one damage to any target. Equip one. Okay. So uh, this is a reflexive trigger. Uh, you, when Whenever this creature attacks, you can sacrifice the dagger and then... Um, have it deal one damage. Um, you will sacrifice it regardless of whether or not that creature gets hexproof or anything because it's a sacrifice it and then trigger to damage a target. I have a question. Yeah. It's strange to me that the creature is dealing one damage to any target. I mean, I guess they're throwing the knife, right? Yeah. So here's the flavor. I love it. But yes. um, what if they kill the creature? If they kill the creature... Um, the, it still will happen. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, they would have to like counter the ability in yeah, some way, like yeah. triggered ability. But there's two triggers here. So if they have a, something that can counter a triggered ability, they might accidentally counter the when this creature attacks, you may sacrifice it. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a rules fix for a, a classic card throwing dagger that they made. Okay. Which did not work this way, and it was really annoying. Okay. Um, they It was before reflexive triggers, and it's always been just the worst. And they fixed it, and I'm really happy. That they made a <laughs> oh, version good. of Throwing Dagger that didn't suck. Hey, thumbs up, everybody. Yep. You made a, a great decision for Judge Rob. <laughs> I'm well, here for it. Well, it's also just for players. For just because everybody. They didn't, they didn't realize. Confusing. At the time, the way that the trigger worked then was uh, when this attacks, uh, you may sacrifice this. If you do, it deals two damage yeah. so, to, to a target. So you like 
go to combat, you put the trigger on the stack targeting a creature, they have to do stuff in response, and then you can decide not to sacrifice it and you keep your dagger. Um. And, or if they if they sacrifice their creature in response, then your thing would be countered and you couldn't even choose to sacrifice the dagger. And it was just really weird. Yeah. And so they fixed that so it works the way that people expect. Great. Um, I assume throwing dagger was like listed in the set that they, they fired it and replaced it with a better version. Awesome. So uh, Delina. Wild Mage. I love her. Yeah. Uh, Delina, she's a legendary creature elf shaman, red and three for a 3-2. Whenever Delina Wild Mage attacks, choose target creature you control, then roll a d20. On a 1 through 14, create a tapped and attacking token that's a copy of that creature, except it's not legendary, and it has exile this creature at end of combat. On a 15 through 20, create one of those tokens that we just talked about, and then roll again. Sick. Uh, you are not obligated to roll again. Okay. This card has errata. <laughs> this has day zero errata. You <laughs> I may, love day zero errata. You may roll again. My favorite punk so band. The, <laughs> that would be a good punk band. <laughs> uh, so uh, the thing with with Delina is if you had, say, 10 of those fairies that give you advantage that let you roll an additional die. It uh, would be forever. Yeah. <laughs> well, not forever. You get a, a roll until you until none of ten d twenties rolls a fifteen through twenty. Well, that could be a very long time, right? So you may create. You may roll again. Okay, thank so, you. So, Delina, like you can roll up until you decide you're done, and then be done. <laughs> um, you must roll until you're eighty-seven years old. Yeah. What do we? What can we say? Those are the rules. Yep. Keep going. <laughs> Oh, wow. You, you got there again? You keep making token copies of these fairies. Interesting. And so you keep making these fairies, and they keep on making well, it easier to make fairies. And so, yeah. Everybody in the GP's at home in five weeks. Yep. Uh, Orcus, Prince of Undeath. Uh, red, black, two, and X for a legendary creature demon. He's a 5-3 with flying and trample. When Orcus, Prince of Undeath, enters the battlefield, choose one. Either each other creature gets minus X until end of turn, minus X, minus X until end of turn, and you lose X life, or return up to X target creature cards with total mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. They gain haste until end of turn. All right. So his his first his first mode is pretty straightforward. His second mode uses a phrase that doesn't get used much, total mana value. So you sum up the mana values of all the creatures that you're targeting. So if you play Orcus for three, you can get a two and a one or a single three. Yeah. Um, he also lets you choose up to X total targets. So if you choose three, you could choose a one, a one, and a one, but you couldn't choose a one, a one, a one, and a zero. Okay. Because you can only get as many as his number is. Okay. Um, it's a very weird it's template. It's very strange. It's, it, it's to avoid, like... Protein Hulk doesn't have some of these limitations, and that card is dumb. Oh, gosh. I love this card, Master of Flowers. Mas Grand Master of Flowers. <laughs> uh, I am really excited and confused and feel like this is a flashback to, like, D&D Dungeons & Dragons, the original, original books. I don't know why he doesn't have any flowers in his art. He has a lot oh, of he, golden because, birds. Because Flowers doesn't – so it isn't that he likes flowers. Is that Flowers is a title amongst monks. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, welcome to D&D, like, first edition, uh, when you were, you had class caps based on your race. Okay. And there were cl weird class caps. There was only one level 20 druid in the world. Uh, and <laughs> so when you got, and there were, like, two level 19s and four level 18s and stuff. And so when you got to a high enough level, you had to, like, 
deal with the fact that druid advancement is capped by the numbers that were allowed in the world and uh, the the highest level monks had a similar kind of progression and the highest level monk was called the grand master of flowers it didn't have anything to do with flowers it was just a title but why uh, why was it flat why they call why weren't they the grand master of toilet paper look dwarves only had 16 total character levels they could have i don't understand any of it <laughs> like i, I and, you, okay. and you, oh and, and dwarves couldn't be monks anyway so it didn't matter but like uh, you had, you had. Oh, that's too bad. What if know, a dwarf it, wanted to be a monk? Uh, the, there were some issues with race class combinations yes. in First Dungeons of the Dragons. It wasn't, it wasn't as enlightened as nowadays, where anybody <laughs> can be anything they want to be. Um, if, uh, if you want to be a billionaire, go right ahead. You can be a billionaire. Um, wait, sorry, no, billionaires are bad. <laughs> uh, but Grandmaster Flowers here. Grandmaster okay. Flowers is one of our planeswalkers. Uh, white, white, two legendary planeswalker, Bahumet. Um, as long as Grandmaster of Flowers has seven or more loyalty counters on him, he's a 7-7 seven, seven dragon god creature with flying and indestructible. Um, plus one, target creature without first strike, double strike, or vigilance. Can't attack or block until your next turn. Uh, different plus one, search your library and or graveyard for a card named Monk of the Open Hand, reveal it, and put it into your hand. If you search your library this way, shuffle. So the plus ones are fairly straightforward. Uh, we care about the static ability on this guy. Yeah. So once Grandmaster Flowers gets to seven loyalty, he a thousand becomes a years creature. Later. Yeah, a, a million years, he stops being a creature or stops being a planeswalker. Okay, he's a creature with two loyalty abilities because he doesn't lose his abilities. Wait, can I still plus him and stuff? Yeah, you can still totally plus him. What? Uh, he stops being a planeswalker, which means that if they lightning strike him, he doesn't lose loyalty anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so it really doesn't mean anything. No, it totally means things. You can plus these. It, like he just gets one of these every turn, B- being being limited to. But they can't attack is, him. Yeah, they can't attack him anymore. Oh, he's a seven seven flying indestructible. It's like he ultimated, That's except cool. that he gets to stick around. Wow. Um, and so we've seen this before. Uh, Sarkin the Masterless, yeah. um, Sarkin the Jet Aircraft. I forget what his actual name is. Um, <laughs> the one from Concept Tarkir. Sarkin the one that becomes a dragon and stuff. They all kind of become dragons, honestly. <laughs> yeah, but like, that's true. Th- there's the one that makes all your planeswalkers into dragons. Yeah, that's makes who them I think stop being creatures. Yeah. Uh, so this is the same thing. If you've never seen that before, this is a weird ability. Um, and you will be you'll be shocked when your opponent just stops having a planeswalker and you try to lightning strike it and it doesn't remove counters. And you'd be like, but. But, How do I but, kill it? And the answer is probably have a way to exile because it's a 7-7 seven, seven flying indestructible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you lose. Yep. Um, I actually really wish that this was the way that they went. So aside, I don't know why they made their choices about what things are what in this set. Like, why are Morden Kanan and two gods planeswalkers? I don't know. Why is Tiamat just a creature? I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I genuinely don't understand why they made those choices. Because, like, Bahumit being a planeswalker that's secretly, like, in disguise as a monk? Cool. I really like that. That's great. Because this is a person from the D&D lore. Uh, yeah. This is, well, this is a job from the D&D oh, lore. Oh, a job. Okay. Uh, but, yeah. He's Bahumit in disguise as the head of the monks. Okay, okay. Um, And so, Bahumit is a, is a character. He's the god of good dragons. Oh, I see. And so, then Tiamat's the god of evil dragons. And they made her a five-color non the god of medium dragons? <laughs> Neither good nor bad. So, Wow, depends. I did not think this was going to have an answer. <laughs> uh, in, Dragon, in Dragonlance, there are a panopoly of random gods and dragons, Monopoly. which is what I'm more familiar with in Forgotten Realms. Um, all of the dragons down. are traditionally either good or evil in Forgotten Realms, so you either yeah. align with Bahumet or Tiamat. Okay. Um, in Dragonlance, it's a mess uh, because everything's all over the place. 
and uh, it's fun. I really like Dragonlance. Uh, Margaret Weiss and Tra- Tracy Hickman are some of my favorite authors. But I love. I've been learning so much today. <laughs> I like. I like classic D and D stuff a lot. So <laughs> I, I'm really excited for this set. I do like Volo. Uh, yeah, Volo is really neat. He's our next card we're talking about. Um, blue, green, and two for a legendary creature, human wizard. He's a three-two. Whenever you cast a creature spell that doesn't share a creature type with a creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard, copy that spell. And then it reminds you a copy of a creature spell becomes a token. Uh, So some things about Volo. Uh, If your creature spell has a target, it retains its target. You can't change it. Mutate. Sure. uh, So if you mutate onto something and your mutate thing doesn't match your graveyard, you get a second mutation, which generally means you get three mutate triggers. Wow, that's Um, cool. It's it's pretty cool. Um, It's it's really nice. Um, Just, yeah. Wow. Be aware that he's weird. Also, if your creature spell that you're casting doesn't have any types, uh, you will make a copy of it, regardless of what anything else is. I love, I I mean, that's so cool, and I want to do it. I also want to call it this art and the angle that they've painted Volo at, like looking up at him. You're a little kid. Yeah, and he's telling you the story in the tavern, and I just think it's so great. Yeah, and he's pointing up at the... At the whatever the heck is on that wall. Yeah. Because I'm not sure from this angle exactly what he's pointing at. Um, Thumbs up for Zoltan for this painting. Yeah. I think it's so unique. Yeah, Zoltan Boros did a great job. It's a a really good use of perspective um, to tell you a story about what is going on. Uh, Zorn. (laughs) Uh, So Zorn is a elemental for red and two. It's a three, two. It says, if you would create one or more treasure tokens, instead create those tokens plus an additional treasure token. Nice. Uh, so uh, it gives you plus one treasures. An extra Zorn gives you an additional plus one treasure, so it gives you three treasures, right? A uh, couple things to note. Mimic is a non-token treasure. Okay. If you make a token copy of Mimic, that. you get a regular treasure <laughs> in addition to the Mimic. It's unusual for it to happen. Okay. Uh, but you'll get just a regular generic treasure token in addition That's to the funny. mimic token that you're making. Also, Academy Manufacturer is a card in Modern Horizons 2. Yeah. That says if you would make a treasure, instead make a treasure, a food, and a clue. Yeah. Uh, so if you have Zorn and Academy Manufacturer, they're both replacement effects. They don't trigger from things. They replace do a thing with do more things. Or even, uh, what is it, Fey Offering, that enchantment, that if you play, if you play, cast a creature and a spell that turn, you make a food, a yep. treasure. But the, the reason I bring up Academy Manufacturer is specifically if you would make a treasure and you have both a Zorn and an Academy Manufacturer, they're both trying to replace that. Okay. Make a treasure with do something. Uh, and so if you pick Zorn first, you'll replace make a treasure with make two treasures. And then Academy Manufacturer says, you're making treasures. That treasure is going to split. Whoa! And that other treasure is going to split. So you get six. Cool! You get, but if you do it the other way, if you choose Academy Manufacturer first, it splits it to three. Then Zorn sees the treasure that's being made and it splits that to two. I see. So uh, choose to apply Zorn first. <laughs> I, I haven't the faintest idea how Magic Online handles this. Oh, my God. Uh, I but I have friends that are like, I'm very excited. I'm going to make all the treasures. They're like, how many do I make? And I'm like, well, you get to pick. Yeah. Four. You get to make four objects or six objects. You should probably choose six. <laughs> but hey, you do you. Um, uh, I love Zorn's eating the treasure too. Yeah. Yum. Uh, the Book of Exalted Deeds. Cool. This is a white, white, white legendary artifact. At the beginning of your end step, if you gained three or more life this turn, create a 3-3 white angel creature token with flying. 
White, 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 tap, and exile the Book of Exalted Deeds. Put an enlightened counter on target angel. <laughs> it gains you can't lose the game and your opponents can't win the game. Activate only as a sorcery. Okay. Uh, the enlightened counter is entirely flavor. You can proliferate it and it doesn't do anything. You can yeah. remove it. It doesn't do anything. Um, it, it's just basically a way to mark, uh, to remind people, hey, this this creature, well, not necessarily a creature, prevents you from losing the game. Right. The trick is that it gives that ability to the thing. If it stops being an angel or stops being a creature, it doesn't care. It still has the ability that you can't lose. Okay. So, like, Mutavault is a land that animates to be an angel, and so is Faithless Haven. Sure, yeah, and you're so, right. And so, like, you can animate these and then Book of Exalted Deeds them. And then cool. you have a land that says you can't lose the game. <laughs> um, this is, for Faceless Haven, fairly expensive. Yeah. Right? Because you need to spend three snow to activate it, and then also three from Book of Exalted I don't Deeds. care. It's cool. Oh, right. And in standard, that actually might be okay. Yeah. Honestly. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what standard looks like right now. If you can afford to spend if you can afford to spend six lands to... Everybody's playing standard 2022 anyway, so... Rob, since you're a, yeah. you are a D&D player, I wanted to ask your opinion on the set flavor-wise. I love the set flavor-wise. The, the ability to just see... The, you know, clerics and wizards and everybody casting their spells, all of the classes look just dead on. Monk class is the only little iffy one. And then when you look at it, like, well, this is how magic's always treated monks. This yeah. is fine, right? Um, the Forgotten Realms characters are all really cool. Um, I'm Morden Kanan's weird uh, from, from a D&D nerd perspective. He isn't from the Forgotten Realms. Originally, he, he moved from the plane that he was on to the Forgotten Realms. So it's a little strange. Sure. Uh, they did a lot of really, really good and cool and interesting things. Uh, the more exciting cards are in the Commander product. Like, I keep on looking at those and going, those are the cards I really want to play, which is good. Like, yeah. um, they aren't junking up standard with rolling a bunch of D4s. Um, as a note, we didn't cover the the Commander stuff. You roll all sorts of weird sides of dice on the Commander yeah, cards. Yeah, you do. And in, oftentimes in multiples and weird sets of things, and you do all sorts of strange stuff on those cards, which is great. Um, they got to mine some old Magic cards. There's a bunch of reprints in the set, right? Like Bag of Holding. Right. Uh, which, like, I mentioned Bag of Holding in a chat at one point, and they're like, well, that doesn't that isn't legal in Pioneer yet for the event that I was in last week. And I'm like, oh, no. No, Bag of Holding's been legal for, like, 24 months in Pioneer. So yeah, like it's, yeah. It, the, uh, Pi it, like, Bag of Holding's been out for a while. Yeah. They're like, really? Like, it so, is a little weird to think about, but yeah, it magic, has. magic was originally designed as a game to be played in as 15-minute pickup games between D&D sessions. Correct. Um, or when you're waiting for people to show up to your D&D session. That was that was one of Richard Garfield's like design Richard Garfield's design constraints. He wanted it to like thematically match close to D&D and then also have be reasonably game length, which the 15-minute game length is one of the secret things that's really good about Magic. That like an average one v one game is about fifteen minutes, yeah, because that lets us play three matches with some overhead in an hour, yeah, for tournaments, which is not the case in every other one v one tabletop game, um, and I believe that Magic's better for having shorter game lengths. Uh, just it's good. Well, I'm happy that you yeah. like the set, Rob, because really yeah, um, yeah, you're going to go play D and D right now. Yeah, I'm actually going to leave so. and go go play my Goliath Paladin. And oh, yeah. that's cool. So good to know you <laughs> yeah. love it. I love it too. So far, we're going to talk about playing limited and stuff all next week, uh, and our first impressions of draft and sealed and that kind of thing, which is going to be really exciting. But thank you so much for coming here, Rob, and giving us a walk through these cards because, as stated, I've already made mistakes with them playing, yeah. and I don't want those to happen to you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I anticipate that even knowing how Grandmaster of Flowers is weird, I'm going to get hosed by him at least once. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just going to not anticipate that he's going to stop being a planeswalker and all my stuff won't count him down anymore. <laughs> like, I'm just going to be like, ah, I can I can attack him next. Oh, seven. Mm. Oh, we're, we're dead here. Okay. Turns out being a Grandmaster of Flowers, not, not half bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take a moment to thank another one of our awesome sponsors. It's Ultra Pro, and I just got a big box of goodies from Ultra Pro. It's my favorite day of the week, everyone, when that happens. I guess the month. I don't know. They send them a lot. And check this out. I've got here Grandmaster Flowers, which, as we know, I learned a lot about on the podcast today. He's got a deck box, um, and he's got some sleeves here. You want to match your swag. Hello. That's one of my favorite things to do in magic is to swag out my stuff in matching gear. And this art is so beautiful. Ellie Wick Tumblestrom, who's a huge fan. Me, I changed my avatar to her on Arena. I barely ever change my avatar because I just like to stick with Liliana or whatever. Guess what? Now I'm Ellie Wick because she's awesome and has the most adorable frog friend in the world. And I absolutely love her sleeves. Yes, I use these sleeves on Arena too. And this deck box. Ultra Pro makes all of the best art into stuff that you can use to play the game that you love. I think that's so, so cool because I love celebrating the art of Magic the Gathering. It's unlike any other uh, card game. It's just no other art stacks up to the art that we have in Magic, truly. And Ultra Pro recognizes that and they celebrate it. So check out some of their new Adventures in the Forgotten Realm swag. It is truly, truly incredible. Well, everybody, that's this episode of Good Luck High Five. Huge thank you once again to Judge Rob for coming on and helping us out. If you have any questions, head to the YouTube video who goes in the comments there for about a week after the show is posted to answer your questions. Thank you to everybody over on patreon.com slash glhfmagic. Please consider becoming a patron before the next episode. We'll give you a shout out. We've got our patron-only tournament coming up in August, which is going to be so fun. So join the family. We'd love to have you. Our Discord is also an awesome place to be. Thanks to Card Kingdom and thanks to Ultra Pro for being sponsors of the show. And now I just want to take a quick, quick minute to tell you about something super exciting that's coming up. You might notice these commander decks right behind me that I've got for Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. And I showed one off at the start of the show. Here's the thing, exciting news. Um, so in here in Good Luck High Five Studios, we've produced a new four-part YouTube series that's gonna be airing on the Magic the Gathering YouTube channel. I'm so excited. That is a combination of magic, D&D, and improv. Basically all of my greatest loves in life. Uh, we've got four episodes of this crazy show that's showing off cards from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms in a really unique and fun way. Like I said, it's a mashup of those three things, so it's a little weird, but it is super fun. Four episodes. Megan is a guest star in one of them. I'm in them because it's my local improv group, The Bearded Company, who puts it on. Um, I'm so excited for you to see these episodes. Megan's episode is so awesome and super, super funny. Um, I don't want to tell you th anything more because I want to save it for when you see them. But if you're not a sub of the Magic the Gathering YouTube channel, go over there, subscribe, ring the bell so you get notified or watch us on Twitter at GLHF Magic and uh, we'll announce when the series is coming out. You can also follow me, Miss Maria Pants. I'll be tweeting up a storm about it. I'm so excited for this unique and new and creative way to show off Magic D&D &D and improv with you. So yeah, stay tuned for more information of that about that, but just watch social, social media so you don't miss it when it comes out because I'm so excited to tell you about it. It was filmed right here in our studio and really, really excited to bring it to you. So watch out for that. Yeah, next week we're going to be talking about Limited, all of our experiences playing Adventures in the Forgotten Realms for the first time. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. However you consume this show, coming out of your cat's mouth, your dog's butt, um, your bird's antenna, you know, any of those ways, I'm happy that you listen. Thank you so much. See you next time.